Welcome, Blues, to Season 2, Episode 23 of The Bolt from the Blue Podcast for Burnley against Manchester City. Did you miss us? Well, we are back. It's been a difficult fortnight. We lost Colin Savage to Pittsburgh in the USA for a week, and in his absence, Ray and I tried to continue without him, only to be hit with Skype recording glitches resulting in the loss of our material. What a bunch of amateurs, eh? In that time, we got a great win against up-and-comers Chelsea, but then two morale sapping draws against Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League and a damaging loss of points against Newcastle, despite a wonder goal from Kevin De Bruyne. But hey, things are looking better. We qualified top of our group in Europe despite the Shakhtar draw. We've drawn Port Vale next in the FA Cup, much to the chagrin of Scousers everywhere. Of course, we are motoring in the League Cup too. And after this game, we've obviously got some great players beginning to really hit their stride in this injury-ravaged season. So relax, settle back, and let Ray, Colin, and myself talk you through a great win against Sean Dyche's men. Here we go. Welcome, guys, to the Bolt from the Blue podcast. It's been an exciting few days for all things connected with Man City, and we're here to help you with that. We've got the band back together, guys. We've got our two regular podcasters, and uh, the first one, fresh back from Pittsburgh in the United States of America, we have Colin Savage. Colin, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Well, I'm not great, actually. I've got uh, if, if people could hear my voice. Got really tickly throat, so I hope my voice lasts out, and there may be an occasional cough and splutter, which hopefully you can edit out. <laughs> You've been quite active on Twitter, I see, Colin, re- re- recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was. Um, I was listening to. Uh, I had a kind of my feet didn't touch the ground yesterday, but I was uh, in the house for about an hour before I had to go out again. I haven't been out three times, but I haven't been out all day. Had Radio Five live on in the kitchen, and they were, they were doing a preview. It must have been about seven o'clock. They were doing a preview of the Burnley game, and they had um, Stephen Warnock on, ex-Liverpool player. He was giving his all the valuable insight he he built up as a professional footballer. He was giving us that view of, of the game to come, which we mere mortals couldn't possibly 
think for ourselves. And his considered view was, eh, it's a cold night. I don't think City are going to fancy it. <laughs> well, 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 yeah. So, so that, that, that's been my theme of the morning. Guys, we've also got none other than City Fan TV producer Ray on here too. Ray, how are you? Hey, Mike, Mike, I'm very well. Uh, I've been away too. I, I drove down to, uh, to Paris on Friday for a weekend of work and, uh, only came back on Monday evening, um, so I'm, I'm a little bit tired too. The, the voices uh, held out, and I've always said getting three points it puts an extra clip into your step the following day or two. So now I'm skipping around today. I'm in a, in a good mood. We're going to talk about this game, guys. As uh, Colin pointed out, a lot of people were thinking that it, the form we were in um, in the previous uh, games and uh, prospect of a, of a very freezing cold night up at Burnley was going to basically continue City's uh, stretch of form and put them even further away from uh, title hopes. This was the lineup, guys. Ederson Walker came back at right back. Otamendi made a return. Obviously, the physical nature of this game. Together with Fernandinho, uh, Angelino was there. Uh, De Bruyne, Rodri Silva, Bernardo Silva, Gabriel Jesus, who you, we actually lost a pod to the, the tech monsters. And um, Ray and I were, were for selling this guy in the summer. But <laughs> he obviously um, shut our mouths for us. And of course, Sterling at the end. Uh, Colin Savage, happy enough with the lineup going into this game? Otamendi, as you say, I think was the right call. You know, we all have our little doubts about him, but Otamendi can play really well for 89 minutes and then in, in 60 seconds can completely lose his head. He didn't let us down at all last night, but we needed him. I mean, the, the, the general uh, consensus was Burnley were going to hammer us with an aerial bombardment. And that's where you need people like Otamendi. And I say he didn't let us down last night at all. Oh, you can't complain about that lineup. It's It's kind of Pretty much as you'd expect. I think Walker should should uh, obviously deserve to continue. Angelino, I think, men, uh, besides the fact that Mendy can't play two games uh, in, uh, in close succession, he's just not good enough right now. And uh, Angelino could do with a little bit more exposure, a little bit more experience to get better. And I think he's already showing, uh, a, especially with his crosses, he's a, currently a level above uh, Mendy. So no issues there. As we've discussed, sense about you need Otamendi's strength, really, uh, for that physical side. The rest of the team is kind of what you'd expect. I know some fans wanted Fernandinho back in midfield. Uh, but look, Rodri is 22 years old and he's he has to get to grips with the, the Premier League. And if he's going to be on the bench, then he's not going to do that. So you can see the, the reasons to play him. And he didn't let us down. And the rest of the team was, I, I think, pretty much... Uh, as we all expected. Did we uh, benefit of some cheekily suggested Gundogan's suspension? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. A, I don't have a downer on Gundogan like uh, some do. I think you've got to play him in the right formation. Yeah, I don't think he'd have played anyway. I, th I think Rodri would have played anyway. So I, I don't think that had a major impact on the lineup, to be honest. But again, Rodri was the Rodri was the right person for that game in the same way that Otamendi was. Someone who's a little bit more defensive-minded uh, and can step in and, and pick the ball up, uh, take the ball away from danger. Well, Ray, we kicked off in the freezing Lancashire evening, expecting a very, very tough time of it. And as Colin suggested, an aerial bombardment, you know, equivalent to something in, from World War Two. Um, how did uh, City start the game for you? I thought we started okay, uh, to be honest. I mean, Burnley, I think we're playing with two wide men. Uh, Lennon was picked for his pace. And he's going to, obviously, they're expecting him to cost Angelina some, some problems. Angelina doesn't have 
that much pace really. And they had uh, McNeil, who's supposedly a £40 million target for, for Man United. Certainly didn't show it that it was worth 40 quid last night, or maybe we did uh, a pretty decent job at, at stopping him. And they only had one up front, uh, I think, uh, in, in Chris Woods rather than with Barnes as well. So I think they were, they were going for that. We're hoping was going to be down the sides, cross it in, and Woods would score. But I think we started, um, we started off all right. They, they were, pre- I think they were pressing us a little bit more than they would normally do, uh, knowing that obviously we've got uh, issues at the back and uh, defensive frailties or nervousness. And I was a bit nervy uh, when they were chasing, we were passing, chasing us, trying to um, get the ball back uh, deep in our half. But we were we were creating um, right from the start. I mean, we we had an opportunity on three minutes, which actually turned out to be offside. Uh, but G- Gabby was clean through. Uh, he didn't know he was offside, and uh, he kind of wasted the opportunity, dawdled a bit when he should have shot, and uh, players got back. We had another opportunity on six minutes from a corner routine, and I think we've had something like about 125 corners with one goal this season. Um, but we did something different, and uh, the ball was chipped out to uh, Angelino on the edge of the box and he, he took a volley. Uh, Gabby Jesus uh, flicked it in. But sadly for Gabby Jesus, as, uh, as I probably said in the last uh, podcast, which we lost to the Gremlins, that boy was born offside and he was offside uh, and, and uh, the goal was ruled out. So I think we started off all right. Just after that, Otamendi was turned. I think they put the ball over Otamendi's head. He had to chase it back and he turned pretty slowly. It's like watching the Titanic or a big uh, oil tanker. But Overall, I think we started off quite quite well. I thought we we, we played be, um, we played okay as well. We started off okay. I don't think we were anywhere near our best, but we're a lot better than we we have been. Um, you know, we were playing with reasonable fluency. Um, I think there were a couple of occasions, two or three occasions, where we had good breaks on. So we had maybe four against three. And a few times, I, I watched it in the pub with some of the guys from my supporters club branch, and, and a few of us said that. Uh, you know, nine times out of ten, we'd have scored from a break like that because we were last season or the season before, because we were so crisp, we were so incisive. The passing was inch perfect, and the timing was you know perfect to the millisecond. And, and this time, there was a few occasions where we we get the got the ball forward, but it wasn't quite the same. You know, the the ball across wasn't accurate. We weren't hitting it quick enough, but we were getting the chances, which haven't necessarily been. Uh, creating those those kind of kind of four on three, three on two type breaks before. So yeah, we were mo- we were moving the ball a bit faster. There were still things that we were we weren't doing that we were doing last season. But overall, yeah, it was um, you know the worry going into that into half time was that uh, wait, was one goal going to be enough? Mm-hmm. Before we talk about the goal on twenty four minutes by Gabriel Jesus. Um, let's uh, test the guys out, listeners, with this little pop quiz question. Now, Gabby has scored 32 <coughs> Premier League goals, and there are only two Brazilians to have scored more than him in the Premier League. Who are they? Can well, I, I know the answer to that. Do you indeed? I'll go for. I'll, I'll do one. Ray can try the other. Yeah. One is uh, Philip Coutinho. He's the one just above uh, Gabriel. Just above, yeah. well, He's got 42, and the lead 42, isn't it? The leader is. Uh, with 52, I believe, second choice striker for Brazil behind Gabi Jesus, and that's Roberto Firmino, Bobby to his mates. Bobby, and it, indeed, and uh, it was Gabi who was uh, bang on form in this game. And uh, on 24 minutes, I didn't see this. I didn't see this uh, coming. I saw him getting free. 
on the left-hand side as I was looking at it on TV over here in South Korea. What happened next, Colin? Well, he sort of, uh, you know, we didn't think there was anything on, but he sort of stepped inside, took a couple of paces, then uh, unleashed a shot, which looked as though it was going wide of the far post, but somehow curled inside it. And Pope had, I mean, Jesus beat the Pope, hands down on that occasion. So, um, ooh. Um, <laughs> you can't use that as the title, it's already been used. So, yeah, I, I, you know, until it went in, I thought it's going miles wide. His misstep was a fabulous strike. We were just all out of our chairs. You thought that was going out, didn't you, Ray? Come on. Well, I, I didn't know where it was going. I mean, when he hits it, um, when you look from behind, when he hits it, it's um, you didn't see where it was, how it was going to have the bend to get past Paul because, you know, uh, it had a lot, lot on that and it only just went in the corner. So there was there was not much space between Pope's hand and uh, the post, really, in terms of where, where it could... Uh, that was proper eye of a needle kind of shot. It was a cracking goal. And it actually is... You know, it, it, for for once we'd we'd broken uh, at pace, we'd broken very quickly, and we'd made it count. I think uh, Edison had rolled the ball out to KDB, who legged it down about fifty yards down the pitch with the ball. Uh, he got tackled, and the ball um, went up to Sterling, and then Sterling passed it to Silver, Silver to Jesus, and it was a fabulous finish. It really was a t- top draw finish, um, and I don't think any goalkeeper in in the world, not even David de Gea, would have saved that. That's well, it wasn't straight at him, so De Gea would well, <laughs> That's my point. Guys, you know, we just love ruling that one out. We do it again and again. Every opportunity. And guys, someone who's taking every opportunity, uh, even in this slump in form, well, when I say slump in form, basically the, the games between the Chelsea win and, and, and this one, is Kevin De Bruyne, Colin. He's really becoming more and more, he's kind of growing into every game uh, now and he's really making his quality count isn't he uh, well yeah he is and I think um, I, I still don't think he's quite back to his awesome best you know there are still a lot of passes he's making which are going astray which you don't associate with uh, KDB at all do you but yeah he's definitely looking like the Kevin De Bruyne starting to look like the Kevin De Bruyne we know and love so um, you know if he's coming into form uh, now, now going into the new year and the second half of the season, then um, I've still got hope. Uh, Ray, what do you think of this particular theory that has been uh, forwarded by quite a few City fans? And indeed, I was one of them, actually. Uh, and going into this game, we were musing, what would happen if we swapped Rodri and Fernandinho and put the taller Rodri in, in central defence and... Uh, and Fernandinho back to his his normal spot in the midfield. Where where do you stand on that? It's a funny old thing. It's it's one of those that I would have liked to have seen uh, Pep have a go at that, you know. But obviously Pep knows a little bit more about football tactics than than you or I. Maybe not as much as Colin, but as more than you or I, Mike. Um, I, will, I will never admit that. <laughs> but so it, it, it would have been interesting because obviously we we were struggling. Um, I think struggling through the midfield, teams were getting at, at our defence far more than they were used to. Teams were having a lot more passes, they were having a lot more of the ball than they were used to. And we'd had this game against Chelsea where we'd had under 50% possession, although technically it's it's not possession, it's to do with the number of uh, passes. That's how they work out the possession, not actually by physically having the ball. It's, it's actually based upon a completed, I think, completed passes. But So basically Chelsea had more completed passes than City. So that was unheard of, you know, absolutely unheard of. So I thought it would be useful to see a change, you know, it's, because Pep, but Pep is stubborn. Pep will stick to what he believes is right. And just because something's not working, 
It doesn't mean you should change it, and Pep doesn't. Pep doesn't want to change it. I don't think we'll ever see Fernandinho at uh, defensive midfield this season. I very much doubt it, unless it's to give Rodri a rest, or unless Rodri's uh, and uh, Ilkay Gundogan are both injured or something, or suspended, and Emery Laporte's back in defence. I can't see Fernandinho for the rest of his City career, whether it's the rest of this season and next season too, getting many more games at uh, Holden midfield. Colin, we've been um, pretty dire in our last two games in the Champions League. We were very bad against Newcastle. Is it as simple a thing to say that the difference maker in this game was just that Rodri was on one? Uh, yeah, but, well, yeah. I mean, Rodri had a brilliant game. And, and having that solidity in front of the defence, having someone who mops up anything that comes through, having someone which Rodri did last night, but also I think he had the ability to come forward uh, and create stuff. But he, he popped up everywhere. So it, it was definitely one of his finest games for us. And that... That made a huge difference, having that solidity in midfield. And it's not just the solidity, it's the, the flexibility, shall we say, the ability to cut stuff out of the back. And he was in the left-back position a few times, or right-back position. He was kind of central, he was coming forward. Obviously, he scored the goal from a, a forward position. So, yeah, he, the two big pluses last night were Kevin De Bruyne coming back into form and uh, Rodri was there as well. Ray, do you think that Mr. Rodrigo was stung by your regular criticism of him, <laughs> of uh, not making recovery runs and, and failure to be uh, proactive when he has the ball in the same way that Fernandinho would be? Well, I mean, I, my, my criticisms of Rodrigo have basically been, he's a bit chicken sometimes. You know, he, he doesn't put his body on the line. I, I think the way that we'd want, you know, we'd hope that we would. If we, if we were in, uh, you know, had a ball smashed at our, our face or our privates, and the ball was on target, we'd hope that Rodri would stand there and take it, take it like a man. And I think that's one of my criticisms. And the other one, he hasn't got the pace to, to charge, you know, to sprint back and catch people. But I feel he doesn't put enough effort in to come back and challenge because uh, he knows he can't, he's not quick enough. But it, it shouldn't stop you from putting the most effort you can to come back, especially when a team's breaking. And I also said he wasn't as cute as Fernandinho in the dark arts, slightly dirty tackles in when needed, uh, innocuous tackles so you don't get booked uh, and to break up the play. I just didn't feel those aspects of his game uh, were at the level that we'd want right now and certainly not at the level of what Fernandinho was offering us last season. But he's gonna. Uh, but I've always also said he's 22 years old, so he's got plenty of time to learn under Pep, learn from Fernandinho and all the other coaches. You know, I think he'll get better and better. I don't think my criticism of him uh, has affected him in any way. I don't think that's. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they, they really worry too much about what us um, mere fans say. Um, but going forward, he's, he's, he's fine. He, you know, he's he's got good stats. If you're into in, into uh, into the, uh, just the stats, he had good stats in Spain and at City, at passing the ball, completed passes, passing in the, in the opposition half. I think it also helps. I mean, I, I don't want to paper over cracks here, but. Burnley didn't really offer that much, especially after we scored that first goal and we were quite dominant. When uh, uh, you're in a situation like that, then your defenders and your, your midfielders can look much better than possibly they did in the previous games. Well, Colin, the third member of that midfield trident was uh, David Silva, of course, and Rodri, we know, is just getting started. This one is on the way down, his last season with us. How did he make out for you? OK, well, he looks like a man who's in his last season with us, to be honest. I've said this before. They're saying, Colin, uh, that nowadays David Silva has only got 60 minutes in him. He's not got 90. Would you agree with that? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, he did a, a fair whack last night, didn't he? He seems to... I was watching him quite carefully last night. What we... 
what we expect from David Silva, what we've seen from David Silva, is that ability to turn on a sixpence, find a space that no one else can find and, and play a, a ball through. And we're not seeing that really from him now. It, it tends, he tends to play the very safe ball, which is not a problem in itself. To me, he's not. And, and everyone was saying it last night. You know, give Phil Foden. You know, what's Phil Foden got to do when you've got David Silva, who can only play allegedly play sixty minutes, who's in his last season, who looks like he's a man winding down his kind of top level career. What a career it's been, mind you. Uh, that's what he looks like. So, to me, I, you know, I would have, I would have p- perhaps again with Pep's stubbornness, having seen all these stories, which I think came from Sam Lee, didn't they? And Sam's usually quite reliable. We were, what, 2-0 up at that point? Why not take him off and put Foden on, bring a bit, uh, 60 minutes, bring a bit of energy into the midfield? Yeah, Ray, I was just uh, just taking a little um, diversion um, from the game just for a second. I wonder if Phil Foden would be getting worried at the moment because we, we've been linked uh, recently with a couple of attacking midfielders and both oh. touted to be the ones replaced David Silva. We all thought, like, it's Phil. Phil is replacing David Silva, isn't he? So why, no. are we, why are we getting linked to attacking midfielders? Is that just because Pep wants about 10 of them in, in, in any squad that he coaches? Well, Pep, well, Pep does seem to have a penchant for uh, these uh, uh, midfielders, uh, if you could have 11 in his team. Argaret, uh, yeah. penchant, penchant, who's been to France recently? <laughs> I mean, I, could, I, I used to speak, you know, I used to know some big words when I was in England before I went to France. You've got um, Roger's thesaurus open in front of you now, haven't you? <laughs> I wish, I, I wish. I can't read, mate. You know that. Um, but no, um, we, we thought Phil Foden would be the man to, to step up. Pep likes his midfielders. He's even got one midfielder in, in, in our goals in Edison. Um, we could quite comfortably play, I think, in, in midfield. Um, but I look at it and say, well, David Silva's going. Leroy Sane, we're not sure. Um, you know, and could we do with another one? I think we could. I think we could do with another youngster, uh, who's up and coming. And mix it with Foden. I mean, do you honestly think Foden is going to step up from this season to next season and play, you know, 40 odd games for us? I'm not so sure. Um, I'd like somebody else there as well. So, uh, he's not overworked. You know, for me, 30, 35 games is possibly enough, uh, for the kid for next season. Obviously, depending on, uh, how he plays and his ability and everything else and how he starts to mature. Uh, but I, I can see us getting somebody next, uh, an extra attacking option next summer. Whether it's somebody who can play on the left, somebody who can play on the right, somebody who can play as a number ten or a number eight, or somebody who can play as a striker, just somewhere a, a, an extra attacking option to uh, to help us out because I think we're going to need someone who's versatile and uh, technically gifted. And uh, Colin Savage, uh, are you buying any of this uh, media talk about uh, the January transfer window? Pep has said that he's not buying anyone. I've never known him to 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 lie about that before or to employ a little bit of playful deception. Are you are you buying any of this? Uh, I could buy. Yeah, well, you, you never take anything Pep says at completely face value, do you? But um, depends on Laporte, doesn't it? If Laporte comes back in January, then why do we need to buy anyone? Uh, certainly not in January. In terms of the left back. Sinchenko's still injured, but we've got Angelino, we've got Mendy, we've got Cancelo and, and Walker at right back. If Laporte's fit, we've got Laporte. All right, we've got Fernandinho, we've got Stones and Otamendi, who we don't quite trust, but they're there. The, the only way I could see us buying in January is if, so, and the only way we can buy in January is if someone goes. And I can't see us selling anyone in January. So that's the reason why I don't think we'll be buying anyone in January. Although we have got a space for a, uh, an association trained player, haven't we? We do, actually. We've got, we've got plenty of spaces for people who are 21 and under. 
for both the, the B list in the Champions League and also in the Premier League. We, we could bring in a homegrown or association trained player, but of course for Man City, there'd be a 20 or 30 million markup on anybody we would go for. So Ray and I had speculated perhaps that maybe we'd try to get someone and send Otamendi uh, the other way as, as part of the deal, but it's just really, really difficult to do a deal like that. Yeah, we, even with Otamendi, you know, we've said, said this early in the podcast. You know, he can have a really, like last night, he can have a really good game. You know, two games out of three, he'll have a really good game. And the third game, he'll have a really good game for eight to nine minutes. You know, you've got to be sure you're getting something better in the window if you trade him. Exactly. And uh, Ray, were you surprised that uh, we went in at uh, halftime, only only the one up? Um, yes and no. Um, we were we were dominating. We were dominating that that game. Um, but it's it's like City. We're creating chances, but we're not sticking them away. I mean, I, I think there was probably three decent chances where I think we could have scored from. Um, not long after we'd scored, about ten minutes after we'd scored, it was a cracking cross from KDB, and it looked like St- Sterling and Jesus uh, were both uh, uh, charging to the near post, and it looked like it was a tap in. Uh, Sterling got a touch, but Paul uh, made a save, a, a cracking save from him. We had another little break about 10 minutes after that. Um, but, uh, you know, KDB was on the left. He put a pass to Bernardo. Bernardo had a, a, a well, he connected well with the shot, but it was too near to Paul, who cleared, I think, with his legs or his feet. Um, so we had the other chances. And obviously, there's that worry with City these days with our uh, fragility at the back so, uh, at times. Um, that we could easily concede even after c- commanding a game and controlling a game. So going in at 1-0, okay, you're ha- obviously you're happy you take the 1-0, but we would have liked uh, a second goal. Um, and I've got to say, the way we came out in the second half, we really meant business. We really uh, tore uh, Burnley to pieces in the first few minutes, passing that ball all over the pitch, uh, back and forth, left and right. Burnley were just chasing shadows. And it just seemed like um, we were obviously just waiting for the opportunity, put the ball in, into the box and score. And uh, it wasn't long before that second goal came. Actually, on the 50th minute, Colin Savage, uh, Gabriel Jesus with uh, number two. What did you think about that one? Talk us through that one just a little bit. Yeah, well, it came in. Um, the ball was worked to Bernardo. And I don't think Bernardo had a great game. I, I think he's still looking well below his well below his best. But he did whip, whip in a beautiful cross. And, and Gabby Jesus kind of caught it and managed to flick it beyond Pope with his foot uh, while in the air, which was an incredible feat, really. Because normally when you, you, you go up to meet a ball like that, you, you're in the air, you extend your foot to meet it. The best you can hope to do is get a foot on it and, perhaps, and it can go anywhere. But probably it's going to go kind of straight ahead. But he managed to somehow divert it past Pope. And uh, I remember he scored a not dissimilar goal to that. I can't remember who it was against, where somehow he got to the ball and managed to turn it. Uh, you know, incredible piece of work. Uh, we're all saying, you know, that first goal perhaps was not Aguero-like, although we've seen Sergio score great goals. But um, that, that second goal was definitely an Aguero uh, tribute act. Uh, you know, we know Sergio has the ability to do that, but I don't, you, you really shouldn't underestimate the way he managed to get his foot round that ball and twist it and get it past get it past Pope all in one movement while in the air. You know, what the ball's coming at him at speed. Incredible. I've got sorry, I was just gonna say that he was behind the defender and he put the effort in. He made yeah. sure he made the first move, whether he I, I, I muscled him might might be the wrong word, but the defender was on his heels and Gabby Jesus was motoring. 
it was a cracking finish, volleyed into the roof of the net. He deserved that goal. Um, yeah. and, and after all the nasty things Mike said about him after the last um, <laughs> game against Newcastle. I deny everything. I deny fortunately, everything. Fortunately for the listeners, uh, they didn't catch any of that uh, due to the Gremlins that uh, hopefully have permanently deleted that um, that recording because uh, I'm sure there's some libelous uh, stuff said there by, by both Mike and uh, myself. Gabriel Jesus' mum and dad and uncles and aunties <laughs> on to us. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I think that they, they were the ones, Ray, that hacked into our computer system and deleted that. Uh, but uh, he, he was very angry, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he was crap. And he was, he was a bit greedy as well because he, uh, he had another chance a few minutes later where he turned uh, unbelievably well uh, in the box. It was... Uh, the turn of a player with, uh, full of confidence that two goals in, in your back pocket bring you. And the only mistake he did, he made really, I think he should have passed it, um, and for a tapping for somebody else. And he had a, he had a shot. I think he just held on it to a fraction too long, uh, and, and allowed the defender to put him under pressure and he just put it wide from a tight angle. But you could see, uh, you know, the confidence, uh, seemingly oozing through his, uh, his body. Um, and you know, after a, pretty rough spell he hadn't scored for 10 games um, which is um, you know which makes made me worry again that he's not good enough that he wouldn't be good enough for City in the long term uh, because 10 10 goals without a game in a City in a City team that's just way too much for a half decent striker but these two goals hopefully once again like last uh, um, Christmas time I think he got into some uh, run of goals and uh, uh, he was happy within himself. He's had, he had his family there, his friends, and he was feeling good again. So I'm, I'm hopeful now, now, now the weather's turned cold, that he'll get, go on to another scoring, uh, spree again, and he'll be happy and confident. And that's what we need from him. And just turning to Colin Savage here, Gabriel Jesus, I think that's his 11th consecutive, uh, away goal, um, for Man City. Can he do it for us, uh, Colin, do you think? Is he going to have a future with City? Uh, there's a lot of debate, isn't there, about Gabby Jesus. And, and we, again, we were having that last night in the pub. But um, The Brazil national team are quite convinced uh, about well, his yeah, skill. Well, the, uh, the thing we were saying was he's a very different player to Aguero. Uh, we'll, we'll never replace Sergio Aguero. Pro- you know, well, he is undoubtedly the greatest pure goal scorer we've ever had at the club. You know, I've, I've been a bit critical of him in, in, in ways he plays at times, but you can't take that away from him. He is... The greatest goal scorer we've ever seen, uh, and, and uh, greatest goal scorer that us or our grandparents or parents have ever seen as well. Better, better than Sean Goater. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. And Lee Bradbury, you're going to throw Lee Bradbury in there, anyway. But, but we were saying that Gabby Jesus is not Sergio Aguero, and will never be Sergio Aguero. But he do, and I've said this before myself. He does give us things that Sergio possibly doesn't. His work rate. His ability to graft in. Uh, there was one point in the second half last night where he was deep in our half to win the ball, uh, which you know you really wouldn't see Sergio doing. Bless him. And uh, yeah, he's not the. He's maybe not the instinctive goal poacher that Sergio is, but I still think he's got a lot to offer us. And uh, as we all know, having got these two goals, we all know he's a confidence player. Hopefully, uh, and uh, preferably, he will improve with a hat trick on Saturday. Uh, he will go on a run of goal scoring now, while while he's got he knows he's got the uh, the position to himself. Now, what I'm about to say next, listeners, I do at some risk because if you've been a regular listener, you'll know that 
when uh, Ilkay Gundogan scored a kind of a bicycle kick in one of our previous games, I, I spent a long time trying to equate that to a goal scored by Paolo Di Canio, worked all the way up to it and asked Ray if he agreed. I'm going to try to do the same thing here with uh, the Rodri goal, and uh, bet, I bet I'm just going to hear that no again. But um, one of the bright things, Ray, about uh, the game against Newcastle was, of course, the Kevin De Bruyne goal. It was a, a maybe I've got this totally wrong, but um, when Rodri stuck that one in in the 68th minute, I thought it was a bit reminiscent of the De Bruyne goal. What did you think, Ray? Here it comes. Well, no, maybe that De Bruyne goal was still <laughs> fresh in your mind because it was a cracking goal. This is slightly different. I think I don't think it was hit as hard, but it had a nice swerve um, on, on the shot. I think De Bruyne was, was more bullet. Uh, um, whereas this had that little fade to it. And it, well, actually, it nearly took Raheem Sterling's head off. I mean, I think Raheem Sterling tweeted afterwards that uh, he'd be, if it had hit him, he'd, be, he'd have been hit, uh, knocked back into Jamaica uh, with the power and the ferocity of the shot. So it was a, it was a cracking goal, his first goal for City. And he really, he really enjoyed that running to the fans and blowing them kisses, uh, which I'm sure the fans appreciated. Um, and, but it was, uh, there are, there are, there are, there are comparisons, definitely. We're both wearing city shirts. They both hit it with <laughs> Yeah, that's what and you're giving both. me. You're giving me they were both in city shirts. <laughs> yeah. And they, and, and they, they both hit, hit them on the, um, they were good uh, cracking shots. So, you know, but look, um, seriously, it was, it was, a, it was a fantastic finish. And I think it rounded off a, a great performance from Rodri. It's what we want to see from him, uh, in a city shirt. And hopefully, he can bring that level of consistency to future performances. Colin Savage, it was so refreshing to see. Uh, it's it's been very refreshing to see goals like this and the one by De Bruyne going in. It it just feels a bit refreshing not to see um, tap-ins um, just for a, just for a change. Well, I don't care how the goals come, but yeah, I mean, all all those goals last night were were kind of goal of the month contenders, weren't they? In, in their different ways, but yeah, I, it, yeah. The, the the 25 yard screamer like the Kevin De Bruyne's and Rodri's and I think Rodri's actually was slightly better because he took it first time no messing well I think Kevin had a touch didn't he before he took his he took it down on his chest had a couple of touches but Rodri absolutely first time belted it, and it none of this going off the underside of the bar rubbish it was straight in the back of the net yeah I mean we you know the spectacular goals I think they give you they just give you a bit of a warm feeling don't they and perhaps they give the players a little bit more confidence as well. We know when someone hit, hits one like Gabriel Jesus did for the first, uh, Rodri did, where you know, Mares gets off one of those pinpoint shots away. Perhaps the players feel a bit more confident. It seemed to come out in the players, didn't it, after Gabby Jesus got that first one. I say the first half I thought we, we were good but not great. Uh, the second half I thought we were peerless, absolutely imperious. Yeah. And I think maybe maybe that Gabby Jesus goal, the way it was scored, had a had an impact on on the way the second half turned out. Yeah, we were really motoring in the second half. And something that I found quite funny uh, on Twitter was when um, Mares uh, came on um, three minutes before the end, Ray. They were basically there was there were quite a few sort of um, sniggers on Twitter, and they were calling him the um, the Algerian Arjun Robin because you know our Arjun Robin only scores the o- o- only one way. Uh, it's hard to stop actually, but um, 
he he always does the same thing when he scores. It's the cut in and the and the and the strike from 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 the wing. And it it seemed to us that um, or seemed to a lot of people that Mares has got basically one way of scoring. But his goal was not the usual modus operandi, was it? Yeah, well, he scored with his right foot for a change. Um, and but the same corner, same corner you'd expect him to score through the middle uh, this time, though, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. It was through the middle. Um, Shimid passed one um, defender to to create the space to have the shot. And it was tucked in the corner. And once again, Paul, um, who I thought played pretty well, he was certainly the Burnley's man of the match and had kept them in the game in the first half. Uh, he had no chance. It was a pinpoint accuracy right into that corner. And uh, it was a futile dial, dive from Paul, who was never going to get there, even if he dived a, a second earlier. It was a, it was a cracking finish. Uh, I've just got to add that Eric Garcia came on and I was glad to see him come on just before Mares had scored. So it was just nice to see uh, this youngster getting some a few minutes on the pitch. But yeah, cracking goal from Mares. And uh, Phil Foden, I think, came on as well, didn't he? Just checking this out. Yeah, he came on 10 minutes before the end, uh, replaced uh, uh, Kevin De Bruyne. And um, it's really, really, it's it's amazing when you get the third goal. Of course, the fourth just, just uh, settles you down nice, nicely. A little bit of an unnecessary uh, concession just before the end uh, from Brady. Uh, uh, Colin, uh, how, how did that happen? Well, just- it was a bit... It was just a bit of a strange one, really, because we we kind of tried to clear the ball. It bounced, it went it bounced off a couple of players and just fell quite fortuitously to Robbie Brady with no one really covering him. I mean, you could maybe say it was a bit of a failure of our defensive organisation in some ways, but I, I don't think I had a look at it a couple of times. I don't think you can be too harsh on anyone for that goal, really. And we were four 0 up at that point, and we still could have got another one. So. I'm not going to get too um, too wound up about that goal. I, I, you know, it's just one of those uh, fluke goals. The ball could have fallen anywhere. Uh, it just happened to fall in front of Brady and he scored. Ray, here's a little pop quiz question for you. Back-to-back top-flight away games against Burnley. This is the first time that City have done that. Back-to-back top-flight away games against Burnley since when? I think it might be somewhere near. No, I'm not Colin. going to give you. I'm not going to give you a hint. Well, it's probably near near a Co- Collins um, territory in terms of history. Um, <laughs> Seventy-three. Okay, you want to get a little bit, uh, have a little bit of a guess at this, Colin? Oh, I think it's later than that. Around. We're saying back-to-back away wins against Burnley in the top flight. Right. I would say about two thousand and eight. Okay. Okay. Ray, when's your birthday? 1968 I was born 1968 yeah which month pick May. a month okay pick a month. Not, not quite there yeah it was March 1968 unbelievable oh, my goodness it was the last time amazing stuff there guys no. now Ray our city back are we back not yet it, look it was a much better performance than we've seen especially in the last uh, five or six games but you've always got to look at who you're playing against and what they offered, and Burnley didn't really offer that much. Um, I mean, they just offered a bit of muscle, a bit, a few long balls. <laughs> they didn't, really didn't threaten us. You know, we'll be back once we can put a run together of four or five or six wins on the bounce. That's the city we know and love in, from the last few seasons. Anyway, is putting on a string of uh, wins. Have we not won? Was it three? Have we not won three on the trot this season? So once we can win a few games on the on the bounce. Um, then I'll say we're back and obviously that's going to start at the weekend mm-hmm. and uh, Colin this sets us up nicely for our next game who's that against again um, some mid-table mid-table team oh, no, it's, another, it's another mid-table team isn't it so 
you know, if they show as little enterprise as Burnley, then, um, yeah, we should be rolling home. Yeah, Stretford, Stretford, I think it is. And, um, and I must admit, I um, appeared on TalkSport Radio on Sunday night to talk about the derby on the United show. And uh, after that performance at Newcastle, I, m- I must admit, I was a bit skittish and nervous. And, you know, I saw, like a true City fan, I saw all the negatives. But um, last night's performance encouraged me um, fantastically. So, um, y- yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think we've really got too much to fear from uh, from them. But it's a derby, isn't it? You never know. Well, you know, they'll be lucky if they make it to Saturday with the same manager, the way things are going for them. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Save our Ole. Yeah, yeah, they could have no manager bounce. This is a, th- a new thing that I've created. It's not like new manager bounce. It's no manager bounce. But, guys, um, just before we talk about a few other things, there's a few interesting games coming up tonight, Ray. Um, what what's uh, what? Are, when I say uh, tonight, I'm talking about um, this this clutch of games. Um, there's one that seems to be quite a bit more interesting than the others, don't you think? Well, there's a couple of uh, tonight. I think a couple of really interesting games. Obviously, the, I'm interested to see what happens with Man United and Spurs, and obviously you've got the Merseyside derby, um, which is um, at eight fifteen tonight. So that's going to be a very interesting game playing at, at Anfield, Everton. Uh, are, are really uh, struggling. Um, funny, it's a funny thing that it, the league is so tight. I think Everton have got 14 points and they're just outside uh, the relegation zone um, by, I think it's, it's not by much, it's by a couple of points. Uh, and Tottenham are sitting uh, high and mighty in six with 20 <laughs> points. It's only two victories. Uh, but Marco Silva's under, under pressure. Um, I think he, he probably does need something from this game. Um, you know, losing three out of the last five, one winning five. He, he, he's under extreme pressure. And I mean, let's hope that his uh, players play for him and that they can spring a, a West Ham-like surprise like West Ham did against uh, Chelsea at the weekend and at least get something from the game. What do you think the chances of that are, Colin? Um, slim to none. Slim to none. I, w- I think that pretty well sums it up. But, you, you know, Again, it's derby. It's a derby match. You know, we've seen, <laughs> excuse me, in the last few seasons, Liverpool and Everton go into a derby match where you think um, Liverpool are going to walk it, but they haven't done. And, and you know, we we gained the title last season, didn't we, on the back of Everton taking uh, basically two points off Liverpool in, in, in the draw. But you know, Liverpool, you know, Liverpool have got their star man playing tonight, Jordan Pickford. So anything could, you know. <laughs> Ray, there, there does seem to be something about this fixture. I mean, there's a gulf in class between those two teams, but um, there's something funny that happens to Liverpool when they go to Everton. I, I, I don't know too much about the the intensity of that sort of crosstown rivalry, but um, they, they never... Uh, it's been a while in my memory since Liverpool have given Everton a, a bit of a tonking. I, I could be wrong about that, but... Um, oh, sorry. Oh, you, oh, oh, Colin, do you know something? <laughs> no, I'm just um, going to look at the um, just the, just the history. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, just while the, you're the doing last, the, the last time they gave them a tonking at Goodison was well, in fact, the best two nil in 2011. You wouldn't say that was a tonking, really, would you? It's always been a close game. Three one in 2005. Yeah, there's never been a there's never been a four goal. Not 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 as far you know not as far back as I can see. Have Liverpool? Oh, thirtieth September nineteen eighty six. Everton won Liverpool four. 
in the Screen Sports Super Cup. I've no idea what that even was. <laughs> well, well, Ray, I suppose the only thing that um, we could maybe hope for is that it, that Liverpool are so heavily, heavily um, fancied to to win this, and um, it's at it's at Anfield, of course, and um, that Everton are in de- terrible form. They're the team that everyone would fancy playing at the minute, and I mean, it just could be just um, could it be a game? Could it be a game like this that the the pressure starts to get to them? Well, if if, if, if they drop a couple of points here, then yeah, because. You know, I, 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 rather than just looking at City, I mean, we're, what, eight points behind? If Leicester win, um, against tonight, what, against Watford. <laughs> yeah, which you'd expect. And Liverpool, let's say they draw, then I think the gap between Leicester and Liverpool, uh, drops from eight points to six points, which is catchable. It's only two, two wins, you know, and Leicester would themselves, you know, Liverpool would start to look a little bit over their shoulder. I don't think with the current, um, differential Liverpool, uh, that worried and it's, it feels like our centurion season where we were so far ahead that we, we the, the players were playing with freedom without any worry and full of confidence and that's how Liverpool are coming across even with their not so great performances they're still playing and, and winning games and, and that's really what matters so if they drop something tonight it will give a, a few jitters I and mean, we're still eight points behind right now if, if it was a draw still nine points is a long way but it, you know, Leicester could put a bit of pressure to be within two wins of Liverpool, and obviously Leicester have got that fantastic goal difference uh, after thumping Southampton nine 0 earlier this season. So it, it, you need a little bit of pressure. If Liverpool go and win tonight, then you know it, it's going to, and, and Leicester don't get a win, it's going to get harder and harder for anybody to catch Liverpool. And, and I think um, it's theirs to lose, to be honest, right now, unless they do um, you know a, a bottle job like Spurs or. or Arsenal, it's going to be a gargantuan proportions for Liverpool not to win the title from here. Uh, just, sorry, just just looking at just looking at the results, and um, six of the last seven Premier League derbies at Goodison have been draws. Liverpool yeah. won one in two thousand and sixteen. That was only one nil. Uh, they won their 2-0 in 2011, 10-11, this uh, is 2011 12 at, at Goodison. Yeah. It's at Goodison, isn't it? Yeah. And this game's uh, tonight at Anfield. No, this is at Anfield tonight. Oh, it's at Anfield tonight. Right, sorry, I yeah. thought it was at Goodison. Back so, three years. Yeah. Liverpool stuffed Everton at Anfield 4-0. So it, the, yeah. the omens are that Liverpool are going to win and they'll, they'll win comfortably, I think. Now, Ray, yeah, here's, uh, here's an interesting... Everton little... have won there in a long time. Uh, Ray, here's an interesting little uh, thing that could put a bit of a a joker uh, into the season, and that is that um, I was watching Brendan Rodgers do his very best to say that he's not interested in the Arsenal job, and of course that was quickly refuted. I don't know who the journalist was, but it said he'd taken a taxi with uh, Brendan Rodgers, um, I think uh, at some point in his Celtic career or just afterwards, and uh, he was absolutely convinced, he was left in no doubt that... um, Actually, it was um, Keys, actually, of Keys and Grey fame. And he was saying that he was absolutely convinced that uh, Brendan Rodgers would snap the hand off Arsenal if they uh, gave him half a chance. Do you think there's any chance of that happening? It's a funny old thing. Right now, uh, in terms of where the, the clubs are, the direction they're headed, the teams they've got, the financial backing, why would you leave Leicester to go to uh, Arsenal? I mean, Arsenal are languishing in ninth position with 19 points. Leicester are third with 32. They're scoring goals for fun, Leicester. 33 goals this season. Arsenal are miserly 20, really. Uh, Leicester are not conceding. Everything, and they've got a lot of young players coming through. Everything is 
so positive for Leicester. But it, would be, see, it would be so like Brendan to do this, though. It's, yeah, like, well, it's the whole it hub- hubris thing. Well, that's it. You've got this uh, hierarchy of football and, uh, you know, where people rank uh, clubs and Arsenal are just in that top category. Um, so there is that, you know, there's that, that little bit of, you know, uh, name dropping for your CV because Arsenal is a better club, in, historically speaking, than Leicester. But I just don't see the point. You know, he's got everything he could possibly want at Leicester. He's, he's got backing from the owners, a good financial backing. He's got cracking young players coming through. Um, you know, I, I can't remember them all, but you've got Madison, Soyonchu, um, Chilwell. You've got so many good players coming through. Why would you chuck that away to go to Arsenal, who need a total rebuild, several hundred million pounds being spent. They need a, almost a brand new defence. Um, you've got to be a, a crazy madman to go and do that. You've got to, you've got to be a crazy mad Irishman to do that. But um, oh, yeah, that, that's just all far too sensible and, and intelligent, Ray. I mean, let's let's go over to you know to Colin on this and 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 get something a little bit more more imaginative. <laughs> Colin, what do you reckon? Brendan Rodgers, they um. Arsenal come in. They're they're willing to pay the the, the release clause. Uh, Brendan's offered the job. What do you what do you predict that he does? Oh, it's an interesting one. That I mean, I think Ray Ray had it right. I mean, why why would you go to Arsenal? Um, compared to you know, where Leicester are, good ownership, supportive ownership. He's got a great group of players together. Whereas Arsenal have um, don't really seem to have a a group of coherent players. But on the other hand, you could see the attraction of, you know, Arsenal. I know we mock Liverpool and United fans for, for, for placing so much credence on history because, you you know, your history doesn't get you. United's history won't get them a result tonight or on Saturday. Um, but you could see the attraction to, to Rodgers of going to a big club like Arsenal. But if you're being completely logical about it, you'd say, no, well, why would I do that? In the same reason that um, I, I did get uh, from a credible source, Pochettino turned down United before they uh, before they gave the job to uh, Solskjaer on a permanent basis. Uh, and from a logical point of view, you think, well, he was right to do that. Because why would you go to a, a club that doesn't seem to function very well, despite all the history, all the tradition, all, every, all the trophies they won? They're just sat, sat in a cupboard um, collecting dust or, or you know, being polished. You've got to think about where where that club's going to be in three, four, five years' time. And if you look at if you look at United, if you look at Arsenal, you're beginning to wonder: Are these really top four clubs? Um, probably Arsenal more more so than United. But um, you, you've got to you've got to wonder whether the ambition of the ownership is really there, and and, and they've got the structure in place to um, you know to 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 match your ambitions and ability as a manager. So I'd say from a logical point. From a logical point of view, no. You, why? Why would you give up Leicester, where you're chasing the title, to Arsenal, where you're on a good day chasing fourth place? I mean, that's what Arsene Wenger used to say. But you know, one of the big trophies is the three big trophies are the Premier League, the Champions League, and getting getting the top four. Well, let's hope uh, Brendan loses all sense of logic and perspective. And um, you know, I think he's a bit of a big time glory. I mean, I don't. I'm just not buying the new Brendan. Um, I just, I still think he's got that streak in him. You know, I can restore this. this well, that, giant. that's that, that. I was going to say that actually. You could, you could see Brendan Rodgers putting aside all the logic 
uh, and feeding his ego a little bit. So, um, so, so I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of with Ray on that one. But yeah, you, you, you could see that happening despite all the logic. The, the, you know, the, the, the logical, your head says don't do it. Your heart said Brendan Rodgers would do it. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to have to go to Colin Savage for these questions in the future. But <laughs> going back to going back to um, to Ray, Ray, you've got fifty quid and you've you've got to put it on the game between Man United and uh, and Tottenham at Old Trafford. Where do you put your money? Um, it's a nice game. I'm probably hoping for a a draw. To be honest, I'm not really that bothered about Spurs and, and United. Uh, Spurs, I'm actually more concerned that they they, they can get into the top four uh, with Mourinho there. Okay, they've not had you know they won three games and under his uh, stewardship, they've not been that many that difficult of a games. I don't think, um, but I think a draw I'd be happy with. Uh, I don't want United to have too much encouragement before the weekend. I want that their their place to be. Uh, full of black clouds and doom and gloom uh, and Ollie under pressure and uh, Ollie feeling it and making some even worse decisions this uh, this weekend um, before the playoffs. So uh, I think I'd, I'd take it something like a one-all draw. Gosh, it's interesting, isn't it, uh, Colin, looking at that league table uh, from position five from Crystal Palace downwards, the highest number of points accrued at the moment anyway, Crystal Palace on 21 that's from fifth downwards. City on 32 with Leicester looking pretty. None of those teams are, are a threat. Ray's right, isn't he? Not to really want to give any headspace either to Tottenham or, or United. Um, no, I mean, you know, you look at that fifth place to 17th, we're talking about seven points, aren't we? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So, but eleven points uh, adrift of us, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it it will look the table will look a bit different after tonight, of course. But um, you know, you look at Crystal Palace in fifth place. Uh, if Tottenham get even get a point tonight, they go into fifth. But they're still twelve, eleven points behind us. Man, you having said that, we're we're saying eleven points behind them, but we can catch them. And they're still obviously there's still twenty four, well, twenty four games for most of the clubs, twenty three games for us to go. Uh, on that busy December period. But yeah, I mean, w- barring a disaster, we've got a top four place pretty well sewn up, haven't we? I mean, you, think you can never be 100% sure, but I say, barring a disaster, we're, we're, we know we've got a top four place sewn up. Liverpool have, probably Leicester have, uh, and then it's, you know, it's between Chelsea, Spurs, but I can't see Arsenal coming into that. Arsenal United coming into that. Um, group at all so if United lose I could see Tottenham getting a win tonight um, and United could be down I don't know somewhere in where 13th or something 12th 13th I'll have to cry out Ray what do you make of Tottenham under um, under Mr Mourinho I mean it seemed, it seemed such a bizarre uh, managerial choice but um, you think that it <coughs> might work you think that it might work it'll work in the short term I think that's what a lot of people think uh, he'll give look, there's a couple of things he'll give them that new manager banks because by, by all accounts the end at Pochettino the last um, six twelve months has been tough for the players they've not enjoyed the uh, extensive training um, and a few of them like Deli Ali looks like he's got a new lease of life um, and slightly different tactics he's, he, Mourinho seems to be getting the ball up quicker um, because he's got some good good attacking players in. Uh, Son and Ali and uh, um, Harry Kane and Lucas Moura so 
He's got some good players, so he's going to utilise them and not worry so much about the mid, it going through midfield. Um, so I can see them doing all right. I can see them having some money. I can't believe Mourinho's gone there and accepted um, that he's, he's not going to have any money to spend. I'm sure he's going to have some money to spend. And the appointment from Daniel Levy's point of view, I think eventually they're going to win some. And Mourinho, um, and from all the managers out there, gives them that prospect that they could uh, challenge for something in the short term, which is, I think that would appease a lot of the Spurs fans um, and help sell more season tickets, I'm sure. Um, so I, I think I think actually it's a decent appointment for Spurs in the short term. Interesting, isn't it, uh, Colin? Our friend Duncan Castle has been quite um, evangelistic about putting up this table of man- uh, Manchester United managerial um, percentage win success. He, he's posting it up with with religious fervor, and uh, I think it's that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has got like a twenty eight percent win percentage mm. right at the bottom. How is he managing to, to, to hold <laughs> on to this? I mean, please tell me. <laughs> oh, it's great, isn't it? Uh, I've always liked Duncan. I'm, I must, uh, uh, you know, I should throw that in. A uh, great lad, Duncan. You know, sees things so clearly. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's great, isn't it? And you talk to United fans, and they, uh, funny enough, I'm out tonight with uh, three of my mates, two two of whom are United fans, but not season ticket holders, obviously. And I think actually all three of them are United fans to varying degrees. But they're, they're preferred to go out for a Chinese and to watch the game, which, which kind of says a lot, doesn't it? And, um, but you talk to United fans and they they know that they know in their heart and hearts that Solskjaer is at some point going to get sacked. But, but they don't want to sack him because he's only going to Solskjaer and he scored that goal yeah. against Bayern Munich and blah, 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 blah. So, um, and United in some ways can't seem, can't be seen to be a, a sacking club again because obviously they sacked Solskjaer within his first season for, well, no, within a, well, towards the end, first full season. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it, it shows they made a yet another mistake. And where did they go? You know, they've gone the Mourinho, Sparky, shake it up, um, get results. And, and, uh, you know, and, and to be fair, you look back at his record at United and he did as well as anyone. Uh, they've gone for, uh, you know, they went for David Moyes, didn't they? The Alex Ferguson supposed chip off the old block. That failed. They went for Louis van Gaal, the uh, experienced, done it everywhere, you know, uh, Barcelona, um, whatever. That failed. They've gone for Mourinho, you know, again, the sparky, come in, shake it up guy. He did okay with them, but not what they expect, not what they feel they're entitled to. And uh, now they've gone for the homegrown got the United DNA, which is a load of nonsense, of course. Uh, and that's failed. They, they know he's going to be sacked, but they don't actually want to sack him. And uh, and it's beautiful to see, isn't it? I saw him, um, there was an article by Andy Mitten. I quite, you know, Andy's a confirmed United fan, but I quite like his writing because he's often quite realistic. But he lost his head on this one. Um, and he was saying like four wins out of 18 or whatever it is, um, isn't good enough for United. Well, you know, you, the table doesn't lie. You get what you deserve. And it's this whole approach with the United fans that there's something in the club which transcends managers like Ferguson or Busby. And, and I think a lot of the more sensible ones are starting to realise that there is no United DNA. It was one remarkable man who managed them for over 25 years and got a tune out of some players that other managers wouldn't, you know, would be, um, wouldn't be close to getting a tune out of. Mm-hmm. Ray, uh, do you do you believe? Do you, are you taken in by any of this um, uh, 
what looks a little bit like nonsense, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to cast judgment about the, about the apparent interest in this job by Pochettino when he could just sit in his, sit, sit in his backside and get their Real Madrid job in the summer or something much better. Well, if it was me, I'd, I'd probably sit around and, you know, obviously he, he'll have, um, people, uh, his, his, his people asking questions. Uh, of um, um, Real Madrid or whoever to see whether what's the possibility um, going to be like. Um, <coughs> would he go to United? Well, I mean, you'd, you'd think how many big jobs are out there for Pochettino? How many really big jobs? You know, Bayern Munich, um, Man PS, United, PSG. Um, you know, so what? What's what? What would he do? You know, he's apparently I heard something on the radio yesterday that. He feels uh, reinvigorated, energized uh, by his uh, ten days off or whatever uh, <laughs> he spent the last ten days, and he's and he's ready to go again. And uh, just be careful because the last time uh, I heard someone was ready to go again, that was Slippy G uh, with Liverpool <laughs> back in 2015. But uh, I think you no, know, the United job. I think it's one of those jobs. You know, if you fail, you're going to walk away with a lot of money. So. Uh, it's a win-win uh, for him, and I of course think, he, he and, would have to forfeit that money that he got as a payoff to do the job. Exactly. So why rush? Why rush into it if he thinks a better job is uh, is going to be the one at uh, Real Madrid and he's going to hold out for that? Why not hold out? Because I've got this sneaky suspicion, just a sneaky suspicion, that within um, twelve to eighteen months that United job will be up for grabs again. Oh my gosh. 12 to 18. Uh, I think I would scale that back by I mean, about I, six months. I mean, the guy after uh, Oli. Oh, right. The next one. oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, they, they are, the only thing they can do now, they've gone for the chip off the old Ferguson block. They say they've gone for the, the worldly wise uh, coach who's done it all over the, the, the world, Van Gaal. They've gone for Mourinho, say, um, the special one. They've gone for the United DNA. I mean, I don't think Sam Allardyce is about, you know, the Sam Allardyce, Tony Pulis. School of Management is about the only one they haven't tried. You know, the tried and tested save you from relegation merchants. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, look, an exciting set of fixtures that are going to affect the league table uh, coming up uh, this evening, and we'll be um, keeping our beady little eyes uh, on them. But uh, um, interesting as that was, as a little diversion, let's get back to Manchester City. That's what we are paid for. Well, that's what we're not paid for, but... Um, Guys, uh, interesting other little uh, snippets of news, uh, Twitterati, uh, little things about City uh, in the, in the news that have caught your interest. Over to you, Ray, for for maybe the first of these. I think you had one or two items that uh, piqued your interest. Well, obviously, um, in in the world we live in, uh, Trevor Sinclair made a comment last night about uh, Liverpool fans, which didn't go t- down too well with uh, Liverpool fans, and uh, so they're up in arms about it. Um, what did he, he say? What was that, it he said? Actually, Ray, just remind us. Uh, the actual words. Um, Not the watch, actual words, but just the gist of it. The gist of it, bin dippers were, were, were after you, something <laughs> like that. Um, and, and so the, obviously the Liverpool fans jump up and down. Uh, and in this day and age, you know, maybe you can say, okay, Trevor, you, 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 it might not have been advisable to, to say that. I'm sure he'll get some, uh, the usual death threats or, or whatever from, uh, idiotic, uh, alleged football fans. Um, he's apologized. He's moved, he's moved on. He's still working. You know, they were asking for him to be sacked from all his jobs. He's still working at Talksport this morning. So uh, he's, he's, he's moved on. Um, the one that really got me was, uh, reading uh, that grown man crying, uh, mm. that uh, Chris Bascom, Chris Bascom, 
crying in the Telegraph, and uh, it, really, it really is an embarrassment um, to, to cry about that Virgil van Dijk didn't win the Ballon d'Or, and it was Messi. And as Colin said to me earlier this morning, what's Messi ever done? I mean, you know, what's he ever done? And um, it is, it, no, it's, it, it's shame, it's shameful journalism. Uh, I don't mind, you know, uh, having allegiances to a club, but it's shameful journalism, especially when you've got someone, uh, the level of Messi, who I said yesterday, he's the best player I've ever seen and he's the best player I ever will see. Um, he, he's, he's just that good. And he didn't have a bad season himself last season, uh, Messi or, or Messi. Um, and, um, no, Virgil van Dijk, look, he might be a, a pretty good defender, um, but he's been hyped up like crazy by certain sections of the media, um, and that's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, yeah you're, li- listeners will probably remember that whole thing about Virgil van Dijk hasn't been dribbled past for for this. Uh, it was updated every month. You know, it's like it's been three months since he's been dribbled past. A lot of old Coswell a bit was too, but was certainly three or four players who've got a, a, a an equal claim to uh, someone like Van Dijk. Uh, Messi was just a level above. As you said, Ray, didn't do too bad. I'm not exactly sure of the number of goals that he scored last season, but it was astronomical as usual. But uh, yeah, that was interesting. Colin, is there, has there been anything um, in the, in the, online or, or, or in the news, uh, city-related or, or perhaps directly or indirectly, that, that has piqued your interest at all? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I had the good fortune to be invited to attend the FA Cup draw on um, Monday night, uh, which was very interesting. I um, you know, had a good chat with Tony Adams, who's a really lovely man. Um, not sure about the, dre- the dress sense these days, but um, yeah. <laughs> well, what a nice guy he is, you know, not what you expect at all. And uh, really good chat about Arsenal and David Dean. And anyway, of course, we got a very favourable draw. I mean, that's me, of course, exerting the brainwaves to 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 Micah Richards and Tony Adams and getting the right balls thrown. And um, uh, Liverpool got Everton. And um, no, no, no. But of course, um, our the news of our draw against Port Vale was was the lead story in that well-known Manchester City information service, the Liverpool Echo. <laughs> I don't know if anyone saw that, but the yeah, yeah. Liverpool football news, Manchester City will play Port Vale. We really do live in their heads, don't we? <laughs> that's fascinating stuff. Port Vale, Port Vale. That's our it's next um, FA Cup uh, opponent. Yeah, but they, the thing is, they, they forget about... Was it three years where we were we had uh, thirteen games, uh, fifteen or something, with against Premier League opposition, or we yeah. played long games away? Short memories, short memories. It is, I, and I did. Funnily enough, when I was there on Monday night, I did watch. They had all the balls laid out in their little glass, well, you know, their their glass hold holders where they put them, and I watched the guy very carefully put them all into the velvet bag. And I couldn't detect any jiggery pokery. So unless something had gone on, you know, by sleight of hand, then it's a purely random draw. So there you are, and Colin Savage has seen it directly and in the flesh. My goodness, you think you think Ray Collins uh, outgrowing us on this pod, chatting with all these <laughs> like Tony Adams uh, yeah. and uh, Ollie uh, well, you know, hobnobbing with the with board members. Uh, the <laughs> best I can do is get uh, selfies with, with uh, a selfie with Omar Barada. Um, and then, and Colin's there having chit chats over coffee with these people. 
and, and ex-players, uh, whether it's City or uh, other clubs in England, stars, um, you know, it, it won't be too long before he'll be signing his own autographs. <laughs> you know, I like to think I maintain the common touch. And, and believe me, what, by talking with us? Yeah, that's there's, no, there's no two more common than you. <laughs> you know, Listener, Listeners will know very well that on the pod we, we have these lovely moments where Colin does these throwaway lines and him. Yeah, I was just uh, chatting to Caldoun the other day, and um, he was telling me. <laughs> but uh, Ray, just uh, going back uh, for a moment to the Trevor Sinclair thing, um, were you saying that in addition to having apologised, he had to make a or felt compelled to make a, a donation to charity yeah, uh, as well? I'm just wondering, Ray, how 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 long it will be before Bolt from the Blue will have to make a an apology and a donation to charity? I I feel that it's going to happen sometime soon. Uh. I don't think we'll ever go uh, too far. Uh, I'm, I'm tempted to sometimes, but um, I'm sure you'd cut it out anyway. Um, there are a few topics I, I, I think I could go over the top uh, with and uh, receive some complaints, but um, I don't think we have the same um, followership as Trevor Sinclair, who's probably got you know tens of thousands on, on Twitter or even more. Uh, he, he has a little bit more reach than us. Although, both from the blue is... Uh, subscribe to and listen to in the best part of 200 countries around the world. Uh, so uh, our marketing department tell us, um, aka Mike. Um, well, that would that would actually be the articles that have been written rather than the podcasts. Uh, I think there's no way of knowing just how many countries we've reached. Well, I'm sorry, way, but I'm pretty sure the people who read the articles will listen to the podcast as well. So I think you know, in all good um, survey type things uh, from a credible source, I think we can just equate them to be one and the same. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's, he said he's going to give some money, uh, to, to a Liverpool homeless charity, uh, his, uh, money from his radio appearance this morning. So it was on Talksport. I have no idea what these guys get paid. Uh, could be a few hundred, could be a grand. I don't I have no idea, but, um, he's, he's in a, in a position where, you know, he, he has to take a little bit of the heat off himself and this is the way to do it. Absolutely. I mean, the things that are, the, the way the world has changed, Colin, I mean, the way the Overton window has shifted that you have to give donations to charity just because you badmouth Liverpool a little bit. But, um, well, um, I mean, you know, charities would never need to work again if, if that worked the other way around. <laughs> if, if Liverpool pundits and commentators were forced to donate for charity for badmouthing City, um, you know, all, all the all the board of trustees would retire a millionaires, wouldn't they? <laughs> would indeed, guys. Is that all of we got? Is that all we've got? Uh, do you think we should probably leave it there? Uh, just to tell us what's coming up after the the derby game against United, Ray. Um, the derby game. We got loads of games coming up. We have got another. Uh, well, we're not talking about Amazon Prime and, and what they did, uh, how they fared last night, but we have got a. Game, we've got another Amazon Prime game. Is that um, the Wolves game? Wolves on Boxing Day. Yeah, it's a, is it Wolves? Is that yeah. the Wolves game? Um, so that's going to be obviously a uh, particular interest uh, to us. Um, I'm just trying to remember who else we've, we've got. Colin Mike. Well, well, we've got, yeah, um, we have got, um, well, we've got, uh, uh, we've, sorry, we've got United on Saturday. Yeah. We've got Zagreb uh, the Wednesday after, so that's a nice break. Then yeah, suddenly we play some kids or some other players. Sorry, say that again. I think Pep said he's going to, you know, give other people a chance. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. well, we've won, we won the group. It doesn't matter what we do now. So, so really, we actually, most a lot of the players will get a nice break. So they're off this week. Uh, well, apart from last night, the rest of this week we're playing Saturday late on. We've got uh, Zagreb, which is a a lot of the younger players will get a game. 
We're, we're down at Arsenal on yeah. the uh, Sunday. Uh, yeah. Will they have a manager by then? Um, Come on, not. Brendan. Come on, Brendan. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, I don't want, no, 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 no. I don't want Brendan to go there before we play. <laughs> do that as his Christmas yeah. present after we played them. Th- then we've got Oxford on Wednesday, yeah. the 18th of December. So hopefully we will the, win that. Big one. We've got a big one just before Christmas. Leicester at home. Yeah, it's on the day, Saturday before Christmas. That is going to be a, a, a big yeah. one. Yeah, this is uh, all coming up, the very exciting Christmas time coming up for us all. And uh, guys, in, in a way, it's kind of relaxing because we're, we're, we've, we've been ruled out by all and sundry. And um, basically, it, to some degree, the, the pressure's off a little bit, Colin. It's kind of people are more interested now I mean, in what points Liverpool might drop. Um, I think it's, it's basically the, the, the current uh, tide in the media. It's like, it, would, it, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? You know the reaction of, of of a Liverpool loss. We haven't seen that at all this well, season. No, we haven't. It would be nice to see it tonight, of course. Um, but yeah, they've got the um, <coughs> excuse me. So yeah, I mean we're we're currently eight points behind. If we can, you know, if Everton could get something, we might be nine or you know even eight points behind. They've still got come to the Etihad. We'd hope to get something there. Uh, we'd have a full squad hopefully for that. So that's five points. Potentially yeah. only needs another couple of losses. Um, but when you look at what's interesting is their fixture list because obviously that they're playing Saturday, Tuesday in the Champions League, and Saturday they've got uh, they're away at Bournemouth, going to uh, Red Bull Salzburg, which they've got to win, I think, or they've got to get yeah. something there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've got to get so at they least they a draw. Got a juicy draw. They can't afford to take that easy. They've got Watford at home, bottom club. Uh, then they're away at Villa in the EFL Cup. We know they don't take the cups too seriously, and that's the day before they play in the. First game of the Club World Cup. So, um, so 18th of December, they play in the Club World Cup. That's the quarter final. Then they've got to fit in, um, less, they've got to play all those games before Christmas, I think, the Club World Cup games. So that could be quarter final. It's a semi final. So two or three games, I think they've got to play there. Then they're at Leicester on Boxing Day. Um, and then they've got Wolves at Anfield on the 29th. So, you know, if, if that, anything goes wrong in that Qatar World Cup for them, they get injuries. They get a bit tired. And you, you've got to go to, you know, you've got to go to Leicester and play there. That'd be a great game. Can't wait to see that one. Um, then if that gap, if that gap somehow gets down to five points with them still, them still to come to us. And then, then of course, you're getting all you're, doable. Five or six points with them still to come to us. Then it's like there's one game in it. And that, that, that's their nightmare, isn't it, Ray? It, somehow that, um, that, that big lead gets halved and then. Enter Mr. Sane and uh, Mr. La- Mr. Laporte. Well, look, look, look how um, they don't, don't just need to look at City. They've got to look at Leicester as well. So if Leicester yeah. can keep up their, their good form and beat Liverpool when, when the time comes, then you know that uh, lead is, as Colin says, down to five points. And if they were to drop a couple of points tonight, it could be down to three. I and mean, it's all if, buts, and maybes. Uh, and that's all we've got to, to hang on to at the moment. But I, I said it before, we've just got to keep focusing on ourselves. If Liverpool drop points, great for us. Um, and we should just, you know, not look at them. We just focus on ourselves and keep pulling out the results. Whatever they do, we've just got to keep up on winning. And, um, you know, in all honesty, we could win the, the rest of the games this season and not win the league. I mean, it, it is a tough proposition, I think. 
Well, I think that's probably a lovely point for us to finish on, guys. We'll be back with you after the next game. Before we leave you, let's just uh, thank our uh, two uh, fellow Bolt from the Blue members for their contributions. Um, reasons to be cheerful, Ray. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. It's a reason to be cheerful. City win. Uh, hopefully United lose tonight. That'll be a good, good enough reason to be cheerful uh, for the uh, running up to the weekend. Uh, thank you very much for uh, coming on, uh, Colin. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Hey, Chip, my voice is just about held out, but it's gonna, I think it's going to go in a minute, so um, probably a good time to stop. Yeah, good good cup of tea with some honey in there, uh, Colin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we'll need, you, need you back on form after, after the next game. But, uh, guys, it's been uh, uh, great to be back in the saddle after this extended break that you've, you've had from these particular uh, three voices on the Bolt from the Blue podcast. And we'll uh, see you after the next game and, and finish off in the normal way. So be sure to have one on us and up the blues. Finished,